God bless you. You may be seated for just a moment. I have been here all day long. This is my third sermon to preach today, and I, I don't lack sermon material, but I do want direction to know that when we leave here, the Lord has spoken clearly to all of us. And I, I believe that God has a time and a place for everything. I believe that God has orchestrated all of our lives. Amen. God has orchestrated all of our lives. Even the part we don't like, God's hand has been on that. And uh, we are thankful for the blessings that God has brought into our lives. And I learned a long time ago that there is no service that makes a saint. I thought there was when I first got into the ministry. I just thought if I could scream loud enough and preach hard enough that we'd have one of those services where people would be changed and they'd never be the same again. But I lived long enough to find out that you can preach as hard as you want to preach and the next service you come back, you've got to do it again because this is a work in progress. Amen. God's got a long-term plan in mind and He doesn't look at time and things the way we do. He looks at them in the context of His plan and His purpose and eternity. And I'm glad that He looks at things that way because if God only could look through my lenses, oh my, we would all be in trouble. We would all be blowed up, as my good friend Brother Harold said. We, we would be in a mess tonight if God was limited to our vision, but He is not. And I'm thankful that He has compassion on us, that He is not mean and vindictive. He is not a harsh taskmaster, but He gently nudges us even when we don't deserve it. When He ought to take a cane to us, uh, He just wraps His arms around us and makes us feel like we're worthy and we are more than conquerors through Him who strengthens us. I'm glad that I know God is for me tonight. Amen. I, I'm glad that I know that God is for me. And I want to meditate on that. I want to let that word grow in my heart all week long. I pray that you will be <clears throat> of a mind to pray, especially over the next uh, few weeks and the next um, little while we're getting close to the summertime and it's already becoming evident because of the, the scatteredness of mind and, and uh, people are making plans but you know what we need to have uh, the best church we've ever had this summer amen we really do we, we don't have time to play church and we don't have time to play games. We need God to move and we can't wait until the fall. We need Him just to be here. And uh, I, I know that there are some churches that the ministry takes a sabbatical during the summer. Not a bad idea, but you know what? God doesn't take a sabbatical during the summer. Uh, he doesn't uh, put things in cruise control. I remember going to a conference one time and they were talking about how to do ministry for the church. 
how you plan out your year of preaching, well, first of all, that blew me out of the water because uh, it, that just, it doesn't, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to plan out a whole year. I'm worrying about what I'm going to preach tonight or tomorrow night or the next week. But told about that, and they, they made a special reference towards summertime, that that's when you bring in the visiting preachers and you just kind of get by because people, you got a different congregation every week. And I'm sitting there thinking, now, God, I hope you're not listening to this because if you are, you might decide, you know what, it's summertime. I'm not going to show back up until everybody gets their mind back together. For God doesn't operate that way. He's God where there's two or three or God where there's 10,000 or a million and we have to come to church like that, and we need to be prayerful. And I'm not here to beat up on you tonight, but I do believe that we are slipping in our prayer life, and we are slipping in our prayer time. And it's never more evident than before service. And uh, I, I did not make it out today. I've, this is my third service. I preached our Spanish church this afternoon, but... I, I want us to be conscious that the atmosphere that we create is not just for somebody else, but it is for ourselves. And the reason that we don't get a lot out of church sometimes is because we, we don't prepare ourselves for what God's wanting to do. And so let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. I found this out about life. If you will pray, prayer will bring you out. It'll bring you out of whatever you're going through. It'll bring you through whatever's going on. And if you'll just continue to seek God. And I know that's very hard for today because we're busy and we've got so many demands. But I love the book that I saw not long ago. Um, uh, you're too busy not to pray. Amen. You are too busy not to pray. With all that's on us, we need God to help us. We don't need to make any more mistakes than we already do. We need divine guidance. And so please be prayerful. Let God talk to you about a day or come early in the morning. We, is, we still have prayer meetings on Tuesday and Thursday morning. It'd do some of you young guys some good to shake the cobwebs out of your mind and get up here about 6 o'clock on a Tuesday morning and learn how to pray early. Amen. I know I hated that too, but I'm glad my pastor keep pounding on me until he taught me the importance of seeking the Lord early. And somebody said, oh, me. <laughs> amen. Somebody said, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the second book of Corinthians, chapter 6 and verse number 4. Second Corinthians, chapter 6. And verse number 4. And the word of God reads like this. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. And then he goes on to speak of his own life experience and the experience of many of the early believers, stripes and imprisonments, turmoil, labors, watching, fasting, by pureness of knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. But he said, what I want 
more than anything is to be approved in necessities, in afflictions, in distress. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight about the inescapable elements of life. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. When Paul wrote the book of Corinthians, he was writing to a church that was in trouble. If you read 1 Corinthians, you know of the sin issue that was rampant within that congregation. They were a far cry from what God wanted them to be. They were carnal, and he deals with that carnality. This is what I have observed. And I want you to listen to me carefully. Listen carefully. When people quit praying, carnality shows up. And the more we don't pray, the more carnal we become. And the more motivated by that appetite we are. And that's why some people wrestle with flesh more than Uh, Anything else is because they do not pray. Prayer is a medium that God has given to us to help keep our body under subjection and to keep our ear tuned to the Lord's voice and to be able to walk according to that word. Now I know that that kind of preaching is contrary to the world in which we live. There will not be anywhere in this church or this city I'm sure in in most churches where you will hear anybody mention anything like that because we're so afraid we're going to offend somebody or somebody will feel uncomfortable well folks I hate to tell you this but every once in a while in life you need to feel uncomfortable and you need to feel like hey I am better than this and I can do better than this And God did not call me and create me and fill me and save me so that I could wind up being a carnal, ungodly, and worldly-minded person. I want to be led by the Spirit. And so Paul had to deal with a carnal people, a people whose flesh and their desires, and when flesh shows up, anything can happen. I mean, adultery had come into the church and... Not only adultery, but incest had had crept in among the congregant of believers. And so Paul had to deal with that. And now he writes to them a second letter. And the second letter is a letter to comfort them because they took to heart his message. They were stirred by what Paul had, had reminded them of. And they didn't take offense to it. They didn't get angry at it, but they got serious with God and they got down before God and began to seek the Lord about their situation and turned it around. They became so zealous that they began to really put pressure and treat those that had been uh, caught in failure in the wrong spirit. And so Paul had to advise them, you know what, whom I forgive, you forgive. Now, you got to be willing to let some things go. You can't hang it over people's head and remind them. You've got to let God do the work and just be an encourager of God's people. 
And then Paul in the sixth chapter began to talk about his own life and his own ministry. And Paul speaks here in chapter six of necessities. And when that word is used, most of us perhaps think of uh, necessities in terms of necessary things that uh, water and food and sleep and uh, we, we think about air and refreshment and we think that those are necessities. Those are things that we cannot live without and, and we are aware tonight that there are things that are the opposite of luxuries which we cannot live without. But that is not what Paul was referring to. In the verse in which we read, Paul refers not to necessary things, but to things in life that are inescapable. It doesn't matter how much you pray, and it doesn't matter how faithful you are in living doesn't matter how honest you are or how true your word is. There are some things in life that you are not going to get by without going through them. You are not going to live without experiencing certain necessities. And it was in this kind of experience that I, that, that Paul desired with such a a zealous desire. He had such a, a need to be approved in such experience. It's, it was in these necessities that he wanted to be known as a Christian. He didn't want people to say Paul is a great Christian because he preached. He didn't want men to say he was a great Christian because he talked in tongue more than anybody else or because he baptized people, or because he converted people to Christianity. He said, what I really want approval in, what I want God to look at me and smile over, are those things that you cannot escape in life. Those things that come upon you. Those things that press down in your life and you cannot get away from. It was in such experiences that Paul wanted to be approved to show himself a Christian in such times. He did not want men to know that he was a Christian only when he was shouting and dancing and running the aisles. He didn't want men to look at him and say, oh, he must be living for God because God just blessed him financially. Paul said, I want men to look at me when I am impoverished, when I don't have enough money to pay my bills, when I don't have enough sense to know what to do next, but I still know where to come, and I still know who to praise, and I still know where to, to offer my praise. He said, that's what I want to be approved in. He determined to reveal his faith and his joy, not amid the pleasantries of life, but amid the inescapable necessities of life. Those things of which there is no escape. What are those necessities that he is referring to? Certainly Paul was thinking in terms of the ills of life. 
the pains of life, the bitter things that happen to us as we go through our journey, sufferings that do not pass away, problems that are not solved in a moment, those things that you have to wake up to tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. You just have to live through them. You can pray about them, but you still have to live through them. And Paul said, that's where I want to be approved. I want God to know that I serve Him, not because of the loaves and the fishes, but I serve Him because He is faithful. And He keeps me through every situation in life. I want Him to know that He is Lord even when I have a thorn in my flesh and I beg Him, take it away from me, God. I don't want this thing in my life. And God speaks back to him and said, don't worry about the thorn, Paul. Just live for me. Paul said, that's where I want God to smile and say, He's my son. He's my child because He lives for me and He serves me through the ills of life. He serves me even when a messenger of Satan comes to buffet him. You know, it's amazing how quickly people's attitudes can change over nothing. I mean absolutely nothing. How we can be one moment just happy as a lark and somebody pull out in front of us and we're almost cursing the next breath. It's amazing how that everything can be fine and dandy until we show up at church and somebody's sitting on our pew. What in the world are they doing on my pew? They don't even sit there any most of the time. What are they what what do they think? Who do they think they are? How many times has it been that people have come into the house of God and because they didn't hear something or see something that they wanted to hear or see, they pack up and go home. Paul said, you know what? There's some things about life that you just have to endure. But I want to be a Christian in that. I want to be known as a child of God. I want my faith to be on display when things are not going well for me. When things are sick in my body. When I'm not doing as good as I ought to be doing. I want God to look at me and say, that is my child I want to be approved when the hindering influences and powers come I want to be approved when there is no end in sight but I keep serving him praise God it was in such circumstances as these that Paul was determined to show himself approved he said, I want God to know that I'm not serving Him for the loaves and the fishes. I want to be a Christian when people are crucifying me. Amen. You know what I've learned about life? Some people aren't happy without a crucifixion. That's right. They'll crucify the preacher. They'll crucify you. Some people are just not happy unless they've seen somebody die over a situation. And Paul said, Lord, that's when I want people to know that I am yours. Hanging between heaven and earth. 
And all of those ungrateful, unthankful, reprobate people come walking by that had eat the loaves and had the fishes that he had supplied for them and their family. And they come by wagging their heads and saying, if you be the Christ, come down. And his response was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, help me to be a Christian in times like that. Hallelujah. Help me to be a Christian when somebody gets mad and they put something out there that's not true. Or it may have a smidgen of truth and a whole lot of error. Help me to be a Christian. When people say things and do things and act toward me in a way that is not right. I want to be approved. I want to be a Christian when people are crucifying me. Amen. I want to be a Christian when there's temptation comes into my life. That's another necessity. Here's one of those things that we don't like to talk about, but none of us escape them. No bad upbringing, no poor choices, no disease, no imprisonment, no stripes, no slings and arrows of outrageous fortune will help you escape temptation. We're all tempted. Amen. We all have our weak moments. But Paul said, that's when I want to be known as a child of God in those weak moments. In those moments when I could fall, but I don't. When I could give in. But I don't. It follows a man everywhere he goes. You're never too young and you're never too old to be tempted. Tempted in some way. It follows you to church. It goes with you to work. It's when you go out to play. It's involved in relationships. Is there any finer victory that could be won than to take up your cross and never quarrel with God about it? Amen. Amen. That's the cross that we all need to carry. Another necessity of life is that very thing, the crosses of life. I've heard a lot of things said about the cross. Jesus said that unless you take up your cross, your cross, personal, your cross, personal, not a cross, but your cross. That means every person sitting in this building has something you're going to have to bear in life. It may be an ungrateful child, a mean husband, a mad boss, a vile, slithery tongue person. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but everybody has a cross they have to bear. And you know what I've learned? I've learned that my wife is not my cross. I've learned that my, your, your husband is not your cross. A cross is something that God gives to every one of us to die on so that there will be less of us and more of Him. And Paul said, that's where I want to be shown as a Christian. I want to crawl up on that altar and I want to die. I want to die to myself. I want to die to my selfishness. I want to die to my meanness, my harshness. I, I want to die to whatever it is that makes me unlike you. Every man, 
Every woman has his cross. A cross is what is hard to carry. It's hard to carry. A cross is anything that takes liberty from living. I don't see very many people dancing and running the aisles with a cross. I see them when they lay it down, but I don't see them when they carry their cross. There are just some things in life that are meant to restrict your life because it is in that restriction that your great power is found. Anything that robs the feet of fleetness is a cross. Anything that is difficult to bear is a cross. And Paul said, I, I want to be approved when it comes to cross bearing. We don't hear a lot of preaching about that. As a matter of fact, it is so contrary that most of us don't really understand what that principle means. But it's still the Word of God. Take up thy cross and follow me. And if you are unwilling to do that, he said, you cannot be my disciple. You can't be his disciple just because you were baptized or because you received the Holy Ghost or because somebody welcomed you into the church or you were born into this. You become his by identifying with him. And all of us have a cross. All of us have a cross. It's not comfortable. It hurts. And there's a prayer in all of us that if it's possible, God, let this pass from me. But I want to learn how to pray, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. You know what I've learned about life? I've learned that a lot of us are trying to escape things that God intended for us to go through. Because it is in the going through them that the glory is revealed. Oh, he could have called 10,000 angels. They would have been there before he got the last syllable out of his mouth. He would have been ushered off of that cross and carried up into glory. But that wasn't, that wasn't going to do what needed to be done. There was a death. There was a dying that had to take place. And so... He hung there. He stayed with it. And he, he, he did not give in to that quitting. But that's not where the glory was. The glory is never in quitting. The glory is never in giving up. The, the glory is never in laying down and dying. The glory is in getting up and going on. The glory is in saying, you know what, God, if that's mine, I'll take it. And bear it. And be a Christian in the bearing of it. Amen. I want to be approved in those things. I, I don't want God to look at me as a fair weather person. That the only time I know how to pray. And the only time I know how to worship. And the only time I really know how to seek Him. Is when things are going good. And everything is right. I want to learn how to do it when nothing is going right. When God doesn't seem to answer any of my prayers, I'm going to keep praying. Amen. When God doesn't even seem to be paying attention that I'm worshiping, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to worship Him anyway. Because those are the areas and they're the place that I want to be approved. I want God to know that I love Him 
no matter what the situation is. Praise God. Let's stand together.